Welcome to A Canadian Investing in the U.S., a podcast and YouTube channel focused on Canadians buying real estate with host Glenn Sutherland. Welcome to another episode of A Canadian Investing in the U.S. This week, my guest is Claire Drage. This is a, one of those super exciting episodes for me personally. I originally, when I started the show, I had a list of 10 people I wanted to have on the show, and Claire was in my top 10, and I've got seven of them, now eight of them off of my list. But yeah, this is one that's been way overdue. I've been so excited to have this. Thanks for coming, Claire. <laughs> oh, Glenn, thanks. Uh, I'm very privileged to be part of this. And I'm in your top 10. That's amazing. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks so much, Glenn. So as a, as a mortgage broker, we are there is very minimal requirement really to become licensed as a mortgage broker. It's a very standard course, very cookie cutter, a week in class and you're done. I had realized that when I became a mortgage broker that there was more financing than just the box. And I was uh, very early on exposed to, you know, real estate investing. I've always invested in real estate, seen it was a smart choice. And figured there's got to be more out there to help support other real estate investors. I was very lucky enough to get involved in teaching a creative financing course for a well-known training company here in Canada. And that really helped me sort of um, purvey the benefits of working with not just any mortgage broker, but someone who actually specializes in, um, you know, re- working with real estate investors, really understanding the different nuances, financing options, whether it's, you know, um, you know, private mortgages, it's blankets, it's RSP borrowing, it's cross collateralizing, it is after repair value lending, assignments, wholesaling, rent-to-own, cash flow, month, blah, blah, blah. We can go on forever <laughs> all the different nuances. Yeah. But I think that my area that I really enjoyed getting into is not just getting the money's easy, like finding the financing easy in my opinion, but it really is more about the overarching strategy for the investor. It's about the asset protections, what's the corporate structure like. It's about the tax benefits, so how do we maximize that? It's about finding the right financing that aligns with the why. Is it cash flow? So longer amortizations, flexible financing options. Is it rent to own? What's the penalty to break? So I think, you know, when it comes to working with a mortgage broker and having someone that really understands the real estate investor, money's easy. It's the support, the mentoring, the coaching, the big picture approach, which is something that I really, really enjoy. So, I, I, I couldn't agree with you. I one of my recommendations for any investor is we need to understand your why. You know, people say, "Oh, well, I like real estate." Well, no, that's not really your why. Yeah. Um, you know, an example would be a discussion with a client yesterday who it turned out that they wanted to quit their job. So, you know, they weren't sure. They didn't know. Is it multifamily? Should I do rent to own? Should I flip? Like they were, they were all over the place. It was kind of like squirrel. And <laughs> every every event they've gone to, they're given a new idea, but actually have used on anything. But we kind of really got down into sort of brass tacks and really talked about you want to quit your job. So what is the minimum you need to bring in in cash flow each month to help support your family and your personal goals when you don't get a paycheck every other Friday? And it came down to about forty-two hundred bucks, and it kind of, kind of totally changed what our approach was going to be on the type of strategy. 
because buying, you know, a single family home in Toronto that will barely cash flow, but it'll have capital appreciation down the road, that's not aligning with that why. That's not going to help them replace their job. That's more of a long term strategy. So all those things are kind of important. It's not just about the money. Yep. It's what is it going to do for you and your life and your family. Totally agree. I, and I love that stuff. <laughs> and I love all the planning. I love planning and, and organizing this and coming up with strategies. Um, we were going to talk about some top tools for success. So maybe some some tools that some people know about and some tools that people don't know about. So it's, um, it's one of those things where the more, if you get the right people on your power team, they can add value to you in so many different ways. And one thing that I love doing, just like you with these with these podcasts, is the ability to share. Share kind of what you've learned, your mistakes, yeah. and what you've figured out that really works. Because there really is no secret source. It's just about a matter of how much education, tools, and support you can get. So I figured tonight maybe I would um, I would kind of go through some of the key things that I love um, that I yeah. provide as a mortgage broker, and that to me would be like. Um, what's the word? Invaluable. Um, and I've kind of probably put them in my order of preference, and that's a bit of a personal preference. <laughs> but maybe I'll start with number one. How does that sound? That sounds great. And also, like maybe if you could, when you're going through it, tackle who has access to it. Who who can can like I get this off the street? Do I need a realtor? Do I need a mortgage broker? Who who can get me there? Absolutely, absolutely. So the first one is a purview report. That's P-U-R-V-I-E-W. I have to spell it because with this accent, it could be anything. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> so a purview report is only available through um, a select number of mortgage brokers, as well as all the major banks and lenders. Every lender will have access to this particular report. So it's basically a report that's run by a company called Terranet. Terranet is responsible for land transfer of properties, so the registration on title. And they're also hired or used for uh, companies like MPAC that are responsible for the municipal property tax assessments in most municipalities. So the data this report gives us is all driven from basically title registrations and the changes from one owner to the other. So I figured, why don't I tell you what's in this report? So yeah. how do you get this report? Well, of course, you want to speak to your friendly mortgage broker. And there is a cost for me to pull each report. But all I need is either an address, a last name of an owner with the city, maybe a tax roll number, any of these items. And I can instantly, in a few seconds, pull this report. So what does this report give us? Why is this so golden? It's my favorite thing. (laughs) So the report gives us some key information. So first of all, it's going to give us ownership. Um, So it's going to tell us who the current owner is, what the legal description of the property is, the square footage of the lot. It will give me a map of the property and an outline of the lot as well, as well as the current legal description and zoning. So it will tell me if it's a duplex or a triplex or a single family, commercial, etc. Now, that's like, yay, that's well and good, yeah. but kind of, can't my realtor give me that? Sure. Yeah. But let's talk about the other stuff this report has. It will give us the entire ownership history. So who all of the owner's names have been, when they bought the property or sold it, 
how much they sold it for. If it was a power of sale, was it a transfer through a representative like an estate sale, or was it just a transfer between one owner to the other? So the minute you kind of see the sales history, you can start to Google the current owner. You can kind of give us, because now I have their name. Now I know that John Smith paid $180,000 for this property a year ago. So why are they selling it today for three hundred? dollars uh, you know, Was there money in the buy when they bought it? Have they done major renovations? And just kind of getting an idea of the growth in the value as this property has changed hands. Mm-hmm. So it kind of gives me already a bit of an inside scoop on the seller's scenario. Yes. And it's, it's kind of like really cool. So the next part of the report is actually going to give me estimated value and also a neighborhood profile. Now, the estimated value is going to be based on what land titles is seeing with values and the number of properties being changed, you know, changing hands. So, for example, if it's a cookie cutter single family home in a major center and there's been lots of sales, then the value it's probably going to give me is probably going to be pretty accurate. Yeah. It's be a good range. But if I'm buying, you know, a unique property in a small town, it's rural, you know, maybe there aren't many like that that have sold or not much movement in the last few months, it might have kind of be a bit off. So it's a guide. Yeah. But it's really cool to know that that home for sale for three hundred has a neighborhood range of, you know, two hundred to seven hundred. So if I plan to do a flip or a burr strategy, the buy, rehab, rent, and then refinance, at least I kind of know I'm not going to over-renovate in the neighborhood. Right. Okay. Does it it give you, it probably doesn't, but it doesn't give you any value about how much the mortgage or what they did originally? Oh, yes. Okay. (laughs) I I knew one of them did. Yeah, there are four. So um, with the neighborhood profile, it's going to tell me a range in the neighborhood, the average sale price, the median sale price, and also how many sales in the last six months in the area. It will also give me a market shift within those last six months. So, for example, if there's been 30 sales in the last six months, it's going to tell me the market shift. Was it up 4.4%? Was it down 3%? So sometimes that market shift, especially if I'm doing rent-to-owns, can start to give me an idea of where the market in that neighborhood, because remember this is a neighborhood profile, it can really help. Um, I'm not a realtor, yeah. and a lot of people will ask me, well, what's the Canadian real estate market like? I'm like, we don't have a Canadian real estate market. Mm-hmm. You know, every city has got its own real estate market. And in fact, some cities, you could dissect that right down to neighborhoods. So I think you have to go down to the micro level to get a true answer to that. But continuing with this report, it's the best part is it's going to tell me what mortgages are on title, how much for, and when they were taken out, and who with. So... If I look at a property that's been owned by, you know, John Smith since 1982, yeah. and I Google John Smith with that address and find that unfortunately he passed away a year ago, it's probably an estate sale, and then I see it's free and clear. So is there an opportunity there to negotiate with a vendor on a vendor take-back? Definitely. So, well, it's mm-hmm. like, do 
going with two offers. You know, one with a vendor take back, and I can close on Friday. What day is it today? Yeah. You know, Monday, for example. Or it's a you know a, a, a lower price, but a higher price, but I'm going to close in a month or two from now. So it gives you a big, better idea of the cash position of the current owner, which is kind of what I like. Plus, also, if it's a unique property, it's handy to know who's loaning on it. Yep. You know, if it's a unique property in a far out town, I can see which credit unions are in that area. So it kind of gives us a bit of inside scoop there. So it does give us comparable sales, you know, which will complement what the realtor on your power team will give you. So I always say to my clients, don't use this as, you know, gospel truth. It's not always 100% accurate, but kind of just knowing the cash position on the current property. To me, that's huge. That's huge. Yeah. If you're negotiating a, a vendor take back or seller financing, you know, then you have you have the price and you have the terms. You have two things to negotiate on instead of just going in with price, which may not even be what they're looking for. They might be looking for a cash flow. Maybe who knows what their situation is. Well, sometimes you don't know till you ask either, right? And also you find that um, there can be some... Um, there can be some real estate agents that may not have experienced working with investors that want to try this strategy. I mean, you think about vendor takebacks back in the 70s, 80s, 90s, they were like hot. Everyone was doing vendor takebacks. And then we went through that phase of, you know, we've almost got a generation of real estate agents that have no clue what a vendor takeback is or how to ask for one or how to position it or how to pitch it. You know, I've even had some that have said, oh, that's illegal. You can't ask. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> but, oh, that? <laughs> but with the, the, you know, I would think even as the prices go up, the, there's fewer paid off properties. Absolutely. And it, it also, I mean, the whole point of something like a purview report is if you are, I don't want to say trolling the streets, but if you've identified a certain market, and you are actively, you know, driving around the streets looking for those depressed properties, those ones that haven't had the snow removed, the grass isn't cut, you know, there's piles of flyers on the on the doorway. This at least you can kind of go, okay, before I even do any research, get your mortgage broker to pull a purview and try and get a, you know, an idea of what the seller's position is. Yep. No, it's it's a great tool. That's amazing. They'd have to be pretty serious about the property, right, to pull a purview, right? Because it's going to be – there's a cost, right? There is a cost. So on average, it can cost anywhere from like sort of four to seven bucks for me to pull each report. Yeah. And, but you know what? It's a cost of doing business. And I always like to say that if I'm working with a client and they're calling, they're just doing a quick email and it's one or two a week pulling purviews and, you know, eventually we get down to doing some business. But – you know, if we're six months down the road and I've pulled 82 purviews for them and we haven't done a single mortgage, then unfortunately, is it because they're going elsewhere? And then we have to question what my value proposition is to them. Yeah. But importantly, are they stuck in an alley? So, you know, we need to kind of get them out of that into action. And we like to help them with that too, right? Because we don't want them to waste their time either. Exactly. All right, so what, do we else, what other tools do we have here? Cool. Well, some of the other ones are great websites that I like to use a lot. Um, the first one is padmapper.com. 
So PadMapper is actually available in Canada as well as the US. Uh, PadMapper is a great resource for, it's kind of like MLS, uh, rental properties. So when you go to padmapper.com, you basically say, I want a, I want a two-bedroomed, single detached home in Mississauga. And you're able to actually basically see potential rent, other properties that are for sale. It will give you tenant demographics. It will tell you who your competition is. So if you're looking at a duplex in St. Catharines, and on average they're 1,100 square foot, yeah. you could at least go onto PadMapper and see what other you know, uh, duplexes are available to rent and what are they currently renting for. So not only does it give you current market conditions, it will give you availability. It will also give you a data in order to put into your joint venture or investor package. So if you're looking to wholesale you know, a duplex conversion to someone or an assignment with that potential, then you're able to collect some data to support the value that you're offering in that wholesale deal. Oh, Similarly, yeah. figure out market rents. I mean, I've used this for someone says to me, Claire, I want to do rent to own. I love the thought of, you know, helping homeowners get, you know, helping new homeowners, They're great tenants, you know, there is a clear exit. And so I initially will say, well, pick a market, you know, so you might say, well, I have Hamilton. Okay, so go look on PadMapper and see what there is to rent in Hamilton. And let's say you find a semi or a detached home renting for 1800 Well, look at the property, look at the neighborhood. You know, if it's a fully detached, two-story, single garage, now you've got an idea that that would rent for fifteen or 1800 Now go on to MLS and try and find a property like that for sale. Uh -huh. So now I've market rents and I've got an estimated purchase price. It's going to kind of start to give me an idea of whether that's even the right market that my specific strategy of choice is actually going to work. Yeah. Is there a cost to using this? Uh, is there a subscri subscription base? No? No. Oh. no. It's free. I love free. I love free too. <laughs> All of these things are free. It's uh -huh. kind of that armchair research that you can do, but it can really help. You know, you do lots of screen screenshots and helps validate your decision, especially if you have to try and convince your significant other that this is a good strategy, um, or you're wanting to sell the deal or get a joint venture involved in the in the future. Yep, I would love to have more information than too little information. <laughs> it is awesome. It's kind of one of those things I always uh, I always often say to investors that if you want to. You know, if I want to sell you to a private lender that's going to finance your flip mm -hmm. uh, plus the renovation costs, I kind of have to show my work. I've got air quotes there. Yep. Just like you're doing that math exam, you can't just put a number down. You've got to show your work. Mm -hmm. This is the same thing. Using a tool like PadMapper is just your way of showing that you've done your due diligence. You've done your research and you can support the market rents you want to charge your tenant buyer or your exit strategy on a burr, um, for example. So just another great tool that's free. <laughs> awesome. Okay, next one, next tool, tool number three. Ooh, next one, number three. So number three is actually CMHC. So CMHC is the Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation. They have an amazing website, a portal for uh, real estate investors. So it's 
cmhc.ca, then forward slash HMI portal. So housing market information portal. So cmhc.ca forward slash slash HMI portal. So this is kind of, so CMHC does a massive amount of uh, market analysis and data. And what they've done is they collect all that data and they put it into this portal. This portal can give you a huge amount of information. It's rather like PadMapper, but it drills down, as in there's a big map, you drill down into a town, street, a neighborhood, and you can get all the information on buyers, um, vacancy rates, how many current two beds, one beds, bachelors are available, three beds, what percentage of the population or the street is renting versus own. Uh, you get the growth in population, the age demographic, are they blue collar, white collar? They don't actually say that. So it kind of can really drill down again into some of those if you're looking for future data on infrastructure growth. If you're looking for facts with regard to vacancy percentages, it's kind of a great portal, especially if you're going to start to get into multifamily. Okay, that sounds that sounds very interesting. Yeah, and especially if you don't like you don't know the area. Quite often, as investors, we're not buying where we live. Yeah, you know, we're buying you know outside province, outside of town, and you know outside of your neighbourhood. So therefore, just having that tool is is awesome. It's a bit. It's quite techy, the, the, the portal. I guess it's designed for analysts. So if you have a geek on your power team, get them to check it out. It's pretty intuitive, but there are some videos on how to use it. Um, it is, it's, it's pretty cool. I love it. And I'm guessing this is another free site? Of course. Of <laughs> course. The next one is lilypad.ca. L-I-L-Y-P-A-D.ca. This is kind of like... MLS on crack. Okay. <laughs> so I, find it, I find it a lot more intuitive. So, for example, I can find a, I can search for a specific street, find a home for sale. The best information it will is the property's been on the market. I can't get that off MLS, but that same property that's listed on MLS is going to be listed on LilyPad, and it will tell me how many days it's been on the market. You know, if a home's been on the market 174 days, I mean, I guess I could guess by the MLS number because they're all um, consecutive. But then again, it's just that extra information. Yeah. If I pick a specific house, it will actually automatically find me comparables that are currently for sale. So it will automatically, you know, highlight those for me. I don't have to, you know, troll up the street and find that other little pin and then I realize I'm five streets over and it's not a comparable it's a condo and not a house I actually find LilyPad a great in more intuitive tool to find a property that I'm looking for um, so again it just complements what you'll see on MLS it's got a lot more data on it too um, I find it a lot more just you know another tool to use that will complement MLS and will give you that extra little bit of information. It's got a lot of pictures on it too, so I, I don't know about you, but you know I'm a very visual person, so again, 
it, it's just another tool to complement that with what your realtor's giving you, along with the purview report. It's just another tool in your toolkit. And so, like, it has like pictures of the indoor uh, inside of the property, just like. Yeah. Okay, well, that's kind of interesting too, because then I, you can always compare it to the MLS and be like, what upgrades did they do, and what are they trying to get paid for, right? So you can kind of see what they've done. Cool. Absolutely. That's actually reminded me. That's actually a great mm -hmm. tip that I've used in the past, which is look for old MLS listings. Mm -hmm. you, you can you can find old ones quite often. They still exist, and it's it is pretty cool that if you can see a home that's for sale now. But it was also for sale a year ago to be able to compare those. Yeah. Many people won't do it, but hey, <laughs> open on your computer will. One last one. So I wanted to touch a bit on cash flow analysis. So, you know, when we're looking at a buy and hold strategy, whether it's after you've done the renos or it's a multifamily or even a rent to own, I wanted to talk about what interest rate do you use when you are doing your cash flow analysis? What property tax calculations should you use? What maintenance numbers should you use? So I really wanted to talk to you know you know your audience with regard to what is the lender going to look for? Because yes. Yeah. Just, just because you might pay three percent in an interest rate, it doesn't mean to say that that should be the number you based your analysis on. So let's start with interest rate when you do hmm. your cash flow analysis. So. The interest rate that I recommend that everyone uses is the current benchmark rate, which today would be 5.34%. So it's going to be an interest rate that's typically a couple of percent higher than what you may actually be paying. And use a 25-year amortization. If you can get 30, or if you're going private, 40, or interest only, you know, that's a bonus. But from a qualifying perspective, there are some legislative guidelines depending on the type of mortgage you get, where that's the interest rate we have to use to qualify you. Also, I always think about, well, what about five years from now when your 3% interest rate's up for renewal? Yeah. And suddenly your interest rate goes up to 4% because in five years, is it reasonable that could happen? Absolutely. In order to help support that higher uh, interest rate on the mortgage, have your property taxes also gone up and all the other utilities and expenditures? But you are kind of going, oh shoot, you know, if if I pay more than three percent, this property doesn't cash flow. So therefore, using a higher interest rate now is going to build in some protection for you as your expenses go up, but you might be restrained by the amount you can increase your property, your rental income. Yeah. So it's just kind of, you know, a lot of us said, yeah, we're clear this. But it sucks at five. Is it still a good deal? Um, if your idea was cash flow, cash flow, cash flow, then you could get unstuck pretty quickly. It's kind of like, you know, it's again, it's a, it's one component, you know, that you know, interest rates aren't going to stay low forever. The lender wants to make sure that your property and you can sustain any increases because, hey, I think there's going to be a lot of lot of your listeners that remember the double-digit interest rates, right? When it was like, yay, my interest rate's 9% instead of... Oh, yeah. Now it's like, what do you mean I have to pay 3% as an example? You know? So things change. Yep.
and you, you make me you remind me of a point like for your Ontario properties make sure you move the rent up every year because you got to keep up with all those things you were just talking about you got to keep up with uh, the the property taxes going up and your mortgage renewals and everything else you have to move it up otherwise you're 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 gonna I just did a renewal last summer for one of my property in Strathroy and I was like well, there goes a couple hundred bucks out of cash flow just because mortgages have changed. I'm not getting a, a 2% mortgage anymore. <laughs> no, exactly. And also, I think you make a good point. One thing that often people forget, if your interest rate goes up, um, because it's a straight renewal, your new payment's actually based on your remaining amortization. So not only does your interest rate maybe go up, but now you're not on a 25-year amortization or 30 you're on 20 or 15. Oh. So therefore, that because it's a renewal, right? You just renew it, your yeah. amortization that's remaining. So often that recalculation can be like, oh, maybe I need to refinance just to re-get a longer amortization to help with my cash flow. <laughs> so still on the cash flow analysis, the next one is property tax calculation. This one is, um, I really want to talk about when you buy a property, you're told how much the the property taxes will be per year. Right. So yeah. Say, oh, it's three thousand dollars, and you're like, oh, cool, shove that in my spreadsheet. Now, it's not enough just to do that. You've really got to look at, well, how was that three thousand dollars calculated? So, property tax amounts that you pay are basically a formula, which is the municipal tax rate, often called the mill rate times the assessed value according to the municipality. So, for example, if I buy a $300,000 home and my taxes are $3,000 and the tax rate for that municipality is 1%, then I could easily argue my assessed value is 300000 times 1%. That gives me my 3000 um, uh, yearly property taxes. But what if that $300,000 home, what if my tax bill is only 1500 Now, that could indicate that that same home has an assessed value with the city of only 150000 Yes. So, I'm paying 300 for it. The city's assessing it for one fifty. Most investors go, yay, taxes are cheaper, la, 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 and they're all happy, right? What they might not realize is some municipalities, and there's a lot of them are catching on to this, will reassess the property when a sale occurs, especially if that property hasn't changed hands, hasn't been sold or changed ownership for a long period of time. So I've had many instances investor has been reassessed within a year of uh, owning the property and suddenly their taxes went from 1500 to 3000 Ooh. So that can be a massive shock to your cash flow, and you have zero control. So what I like to always say to investors is get the tax assessment when you put your offer in. Make sure one of your conditions is getting a copy of the assessment, not the bill. You want the assessment. You want to know what is the tax rate for that municipality, and it's easily available online, and what is the assessed value of the property you're buying, so that you can buffer in the potential of maybe a reassessment. Mm -hmm. You kind of might question, 
why is the city only assessing it for 150? Am I kind of missing something? So it's just, you know, building in that just-in-case kind of scenario. I like to think that we need to be proactive as opposed to reactive. You know, that let's really look at, uh, you know, the the option of what, what will happen if I get reassessed, what will happen if interest rates go up. I want to basically kind of recession-proof my acquisition and my reason for my buy and my exit strategy, which kind of leads on to the final one, which will be real quick, which is maintenance. So when you're doing your cash flow analysis, I will often suggest that investors pop in a percentage of the rental income for maintenance on the property. So maybe it's 8%. Now you throw in 8% and you look at the number and maybe that's, you know, $5,000 each. Yeah. And, and you might kind of go, well, 5000 a year on my fourplex, that's, that's too much. I'm not going to spend that on maintenance. Now, you're right. You might not spend that this year. But what if five years from now or four years from now, it needs a new roof? Hmm. You know, you're going to have to replace the windows. Or four units have appliances that you own. And so what's the life cycle of them? You know, uh, so maintenance isn't necessarily the amount you're going to spend every year. It should also be if you spend a thousand, but you used five, the other four thousand should become like your reserve fund. That's my kind of like, okay, that's, you know, I built yep. it into my numbers. I'm starting, starting to build a bit of a, a maintenance bucket. So if suddenly the furnace blows and I have, you know, an $8,000 cost that it's covered, I've got that reserve put aside and I'm not suddenly going, oh, wow, I kind of need to go work at Walmart because <laughs> I've got no cash flow as I pay for this furnace. Um, so it's just, again, just kind of thinking, it's not just, well, I'm not going to pay it, but how do you really build in that buffer to protect yep. you in the future? Perfect. Well, thank you so much for your time, Claire. I know you're like super, super busy. and I. Oh, Glenn, it's my pleasure. It's been, it's been amazing. And thank you so much for everything you do, sharing your experiences and, you know, your growth as well. It's, it's, it's awesome to see that. So congratulations <laughs> to you too. And uh, thank you. Awesome. Thanks. Appreciate that.